politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here for the end of the week, Friday, final day of April, a third of this year, 2021, in the can. Have we worked at all to save this country? Has 2021 worked out better than 2020? I can't believe we're a third of the way through. And do we even have a movement put together? Or is our country even worth saving anymore? Should we just buy Greenland? Look, this and more on today's show. We have a lot more to talk about on the crime issue, on COVID. But overall, you guys come here because you know we skate to where the puck is headed, not to where it's already been. We're always ahead of the curve. And one of the things we've been talking about long before people focused on these crime stories and police and this and that, we focused on the fact that already both parties and every corporation and every anyone in America has bought into this narrative, this lie, that we lock up too many people, that our system is too strong on criminals, particularly against blacks, when the exact opposite is true, that we have long reversed all of the positive policies that led to the most positive social change in America, the reduction in crime, how crime is going up everywhere. There's violence everywhere. On net for every one case of police use of force that's too much, there's a thousand examples of when they use too little force and get themselves and others killed. But we never hear about them. We never hear their names. We, we, Rather than there being some sort of witch hunt of whites attacking blacks, it's the exact opposite. Mainly the blacks you know, attacking each other, but, most pro- but all, often attacking whites. Very racially motivated. We never hear it. Like in every blood libel, it's not only that it's false, but it's a projection of what the purveyors of the blood libel themselves are doing to the nth degree and then projecting it on everyone else. Oh, this is a systemically racist country. All right. Oh, we need police reform. We need criminal justice reform. Just the exact opposite of what these de-civilization commies are pushing. Say his name. Together with me, Corporal Keith Hickok. What? Hitchcock? Oh, what did you just say, Daniel? Corporal Keith Hickok. No one's ever heard of him. And that's why we are where we are. There's a lot more people like him than George Floyd. And mind you, even in the worst view of what happened there, He was still a terrible person, still got himself into trouble with the drugs and the fighting with police, even if there was wrongdoing thereafter, but he did get himself killed. No one did anything to him. No one took his life away. But even if they did, there are thousands of cases, civilians and cops, like Keith Heacock. We're going to talk about him today. That should be the George Floyd moment of we the people, except unlike with Floyd where it does not reflect or exemplify or portend any broader, more systemic problem, this actually does in many, many ways. This case exemplifies everything I'm talking about. But first, a word from today's sponsor, constitutioncoach.com. Those of you who hear me talk so excitedly, enthusiastically about our trips out to front site for the Constitution and defensive handgun training with the best instructors in America. Well, it comes from constitutioncoach.com, our partner here at CR Podcast. Um, Rick Green offers the best program at night. We study the Constitution. During the day, we shoot in front site Nevada. All you got to do is get your plane ticket, accommodations, And the price for the training, if you sign up at constitutioncoach.com for our audience, is 90% off. So the four-day course is just $150. 
Ammo is expensive, so you do have to buy that. I do advise you if you're going to come out with me on May 30th. So May 30th and June 6th are the final trips before the summer. And then you could look, you'll scroll down, and you'll see there's a bunch of dates in September, October, November in uh, in the fall when it gets cooler. Um, I do advise you take out your own gear. It really is not that hard to fly with a with a gun. You just, you know, put it in a locked case, you know, like a Walther or, you know, a SIG case. Uh, you know, have it a, a, a combination lock on it. You go to the ticket agent when you're checking in and just say, I have a gun to declare. They give you a card to fill out. You put it on. Sometimes they might say, hey, wait around an extra 10 minutes for TCA, TSA to, you know, in the case they want to talk to you. Usually there shouldn't be a problem. And then you go through. So you just got to leave yourself a little extra time. Um, it's not a big deal. Um, some airlines, when you land, they won't put it out on the carousel. They'll walk it out to you from the office. But overall, I would advise training on your gun that you feel comfortable with. You'll have a better experience. And when we come closer to the May 30th trip, I'll put out a list of kind of best practices. But let me know if you have any questions on just logistics of it. But if I told you you could have the best vacation meet the best patriots from this audience and other conservatives, meet yours truly, and have the best constitution training, the most effective defensive handgun training, how to win a gunfight, when boy, oh boy, are you going to need that now, now that police are not there to protect us, we have to protect ourselves, come out to front site, again, constitutioncoach.com. Now, speaking of defensive training... Typically, the way the world used to work before we became a racist country where if the color of the skin of the violent guy happens to be black, there's nothing, you you have no right to self-defense. The rule used to be whether you're police or a civilian, if if, if you feel you have a certain gut instinct that my life is in danger and you draw your weapon, And then there's another threshold for firing the weapon. So typically, oh my gosh, I'm scared he's going to come at me. You draw it. Okay, hopefully that will deter him. It doesn't, you, you shoot. But you see, there's another dimension that works against self preservation and self defense. If that person happens to be black, which because the overwhelming amount of violent crime in this country is unfortunately from blacks, and that's just a, uh, just a reality, and we could talk about that more with the culture of violence that the media and the culture is encouraging rather than deterring. You're screwed. You basically have nothing left that you can do. You're not allowed to defend yourself. So let's meet Randon Wilkerson. This man lived in Wicomico County, Maryland, but just across the border from Delmar, Delaware. That's in Suffolk County, southern Delaware. And so it's the eastern shore of Maryland meets uh, meets Delaware. And, or I'm sorry, I think he committed a lot of crime in Wicomico, but at that point, this guy lived in Delmar, lived on the Delaware side. And basically, this guy, police get a call that this guy, Randon Wilkerson, is beating up his roommates, he's beating people, so police come out. Now, I don't know 100%, but it's more than likely that if he had roommates, they were likely black too. So again, first example here. Cops come out because they get called almost always by a black victim or witness to a crime. They come out. Now, in this case, the police offices are understaffed. This is a big, another lesson. This has all the elements here. This is our George Floyd. Understaffed. So, another state's department, Wicomico, from across the border, they respond. There's a Maryland police officer responds in Delaware. They not have enough officers. So, they have some sort of an, some sort of an agreement there. Corporal Keith Heacock, 25-year veteran, 54 years old, comes out, and that was the last time he would see his family. 
Now, he was reportedly fighting with other residents in the home. Now, I don't know for sure what happened yet, and I was speaking with a former Wicomico police officer who has a lot of friends there, and I have a source. My colleague Sarah Taylor has a different source. She wrote an article at The Blaze. Sarah wrote this article here, and I'll read from some of it. Um, Wilkerson was reportedly fighting with other residents in the home when Hecock arrived at the home alone, alone, due to major understaffing and underfunding within the department. So remember, when you come out alone, it's not like, okay, this is like, you know, just, hey, there, there's some uh, traffic, someone needs traffic. No, someone is beating people. So you know you're getting into a volatile situation, and increasingly, who are those people going to be the most dangerous people? And indeed, this guy had 37 arrests just since 2010. God knows how many he had when he was a juvenile, but it's probably sealed because he's 30 now. So that was, that was you know, that's his adult record. But he shows up alone. Now, I cannot underscore, a lot of people don't realize, they think, oh, police are understaffed, so they can't do as much when you, you know, defund the police or this or that. But it's worse than that. It's qualitatively more dangerous, okay? A lot of people haven't thought of this because what it means is that when they do come out, it's better they don't come out. If they do come out, there's one. Now, the difference between having a partner is the difference of life and death because, A, it's more of a deterrent up front. B, if you do get yourself into trouble, like the guy ambushes you or starts overpowering you and that you get yourself into trouble, then at least your partner could shoot the guy. But if you have no partner, you're up the creek. Wilkerson reportedly assaulted him and left the corporal in a pool of blood. Sources told Blaze Media that Hecock had no pulse and was not breathing when backup and first responders arrived on the scene. Now... I'm just going to read to you. I'm not going to read. I'm going to tell you what I heard from my source is basically this. It's still not clear how the encounter happened. Did he jump him? Did he ambush him? It doesn't, to me, it doesn't sound like it because if you're beating someone up in the home and you're a cop responding to the scene, I don't know. I mean, unless it kind of happened at once, like right when he came to the door, he rushed him. But I suspect, and, and this is a supposition, I don't have the details yet, but this sounds to me, based on what I am hearing, of the quintessential example of what I've told you for years. That for every example that you could have of question, questionable overuse of police force, all these days that we hear another cop got killed, and we lower the flag, and we're sad, we have a funeral... Do we ever audit the case and say, why did the guy get killed? Sometimes it's a shootout. Sometimes it's just like something bad happened. Sometimes he got jumped. But most often, what it is, and it's been going on for a while, but now it's going to happen increasingly, is that it's a black assailant, and they are so terrified, the opposite of what they say, that they're trigger happy. It's the opposite. If it would have been a white criminal, you know, the guy's beating on people, you immediately draw your gun. Okay, we're not saying to shoot, but you draw it. So now you're covered. Hopefully you could put it back in the holster. Hopefully you deter him. But, but, you draw it. So now you're protected. What happened was the guy, the Wilkerson, the, the criminal, got a hold of his baton and started beating him. Then he fell to the ground, and once he had it on the ground... He was stomping him. There's, I think a witness did say there is a witness and good luck getting her to testify. That will be interesting. Stomped him. But what my source, from his sources within the Wicomico Police Department, tell him is that he was, quote, throat stomped and he killed him. Again, you don't need a gun to kill someone. Life, in certain ways, is very fickle. Doesn't matter even if you're a strong person. You get someone on the ground, you throat stomp them after having beat them over the head with the baton, there you go. Now, how did he get a hold of his baton? Now, we don't know. It could be he was jumped, but I suspect 
that he saw him, he saw he was black, he saw he didn't, on the face of it, appear to have a gun or a knife. Now, I want you to walk yourself into that situation. Now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with martial arts, but I am kind of small, I'm very short. But let's say you're decent, and you're kind of big. You approach a guy that in retrospect, but it doesn't have to be in retrospect because you have to assume this is the case because it's usually the case. 37 arrests, violent arrests, 37. Okay? And these are toughened, hardened criminals on the streets for years. You approach him alone. Okay? Now, he doesn't have a gun or a knife, so you don't draw your gun. You have to approach him. How do you arrest him? Do you know what a vulnerable position you're in to do that? They have training, there's techniques, but... Now, I don't know if he was on drugs, but usually they are. Add that into the equation. Do you get what I'm, what I'm talking about now? The degree of skill and strength that you have to have to outmatch that guy is tremendous. But what if you're not? I mean, some cops are stronger and more skilled than others. But let's say this guy was a real, I mean, this guy was a real brute. So what likely happened in my mind, and we got to find it out, is that his instinct should have told him to draw his weapon, and he did not. And he tried to count on dealing with him without it. And the guy was just either stronger or whatever and got his baton and that was it. This happens all the time. So does this say that we need police reform, that they need to be more aggressive earlier and up front? Okay? If their crap somehow speaks to a systemic need to have to ratchet down police force, does this teach us that they need more? And also, what about the fact that they always have to come out alone now? Not always, but often. Then this guy, by the way, after he did that, he went over to someone's house and said, someone's chasing me. The guy opened the door. It was like a 73, 74-year-old couple. He beat the hell out of that guy too, gouged his eyes, beat the wife, and eventually other police came on the scene. By the way, it was 38 arrests. 38 arrests. From this guy. Beat a cop, stomped him to death, beat two other people, plus his roommates and whatever, and by the way, the other people, the other person I just heard was in the other home was a retired Marine from Vietnam. White, too, but, you know, that, again, it, it doesn't matter in terms of what we're trying to talk about, but in terms of their narrative, this never gets talked about. Corporal Keith Heacock, say his name, he is dead. Now, there's one more element to this. He's currently being held. Now, you would think you just killed a cop after a career of 38 arrests for burglary and this felony and, and assault. You would think, Daniel, come on, this guy's held without bail? Well, he's charged with terroristic threatening, attempted murder, Burglary, two counts of first-degree assault, two counts of possession of a deadly weapon. And he, he was held on a 451000 cash bond. A lot, but not that much for what it is. While people trespassing the Capitol with no criminal record, and everyone knows they're not a threat to anyone, everyone knows they're under the microscope, they're not a flight risk, some were held without bail, some were given several million dollars. 
two-tier justice system, systemically racist system. Yes, we live in a racist country, a racist justice system, a racist legal system, a racist political system. But just like a blood libel, it's the exact opposite of what the accusers allege. The ultimate projection. Now, just to be accurate, it could be... So he wasn't pronounced dead until later he was taken to shock trauma in Baltimore. I have to check if they update. Sometimes they do update it and maybe take away the bail once it's murder. But even without that, that is appalling. This case has every element of the true criminal justice reform because it's not a one-off. It's endless, repeat, violent offenders. 20, 30, 40 times. They don't get locked up. They barely serve time. And police, therefore, have to constantly get called on the scenes by other black victims to come along, come there. Then they find they're black. But they're more violent than ever because they're out in the street more than ever because they're not locked up. Number two, because they're on drugs more than ever. Number three, because they know they could fight with the police and get away with it. And number four, therefore, the police are deterred from using appropriate force and they wind up dead. And then, of course, even then, he's offered bail. We need bail reform to yank bail away from these people. We need a three strikes and you're out. Some sort of law, a mixture of Three violent crimes, or maybe, you know, five or six that a few of them are nonviolent, but problematic nonetheless, and two are, are violent. There needs to be some mix to have some threshold that these people are taken off the streets. This case has all the elements. Keith Heacock. Now, I have one more thing for you. Where did this happen? What state did it happen in? Delaware. What's funny about Delaware? That is the state from which the President of the United States hails from. The bastard, Biden the bastard, has not uttered a word about this incident. You tell me, Who's the racist? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of nobody giving voice to we the people on the truth. Things that happen that are so much more numerous and pervasive than their false narratives. And you know what's funny? I was talking to this retired cop from that area He moved away from there. He had enough of it. You have to understand, I'm from the Baltimore area, so I look at the eastern shore of the Delmarva Peninsula as like rural Maryland. I was like, hey, like, what's up with that? I was like, isn't that a nice area? You know, kind of rural, the border between Maryland and Delaware there, southern Delaware. He was like, well, yeah, but they're having a spillover from Salisbury. That's that's the county seat of Wicomico County, Maryland. I was like, what do you mean it's spillover? I was like, yeah, I get the college. I get it's kind of like a city. But it's 30,000 people. And then he goes on to tell me the place is a cesspool. It's turned into an utter cesspool. And I said to myself, and I know this is a little different point, but I think it's worth mentioning nonetheless because we talk about this a lot with red and blue and where to move. If we're losing cities that are 30,000 people, I mean, growing up, I would have called that a hick town. Nothing personal. I just, you know, to me, Baltimore is not even that big of a city anymore. The city, I mean, the metro area is huge, but the city itself is down to 600,000. You know, but usually when you say a city, you mean a few hundred thousand people. 30,000? Basically, anywhere where you have any amount of people you create any bit of an, a city area is turning into a cesspool. Violence and drugs. 
Got to evacuate from the cities. But folks, I mentioned this on Monday, and I'm going to mention it again, and I'm not going to shy away from it. From a public policy standpoint, all we can do is deter and punish criminals in a blind judicial system that is completely blind to who you are. You do the crime, you do the time. But if they're going to make this about race, well, why are so many of them committing all this crime? That's not my problem, but the solution is, the only way is, it's got to come from within. It is a cultural problem. Notice you've been seeing, we've seen for years, again, and this has nothing to do with the police or whites or whatever, these beatdowns, these just beatdowns in a Wendy's, these beatdowns and fights and this and that, this glorification of violence. Recently, we've seen a trend that I believe we never saw until recently, that it's happening in airports. Again, another one today happened in the Chicago O'Hare. Again, all blacks. One of America's largest airports. And the reason why that's very important is it just shows you how pervasive and quick and, you know, these fuses are lit. Because airports are typically where people are very rigid and serious and the security and everyone's under their best behavior. And it's like, you know, no one wants to look at anyone the wrong way. And it's happening more and more at airports now. And it goes on for a while. And everyone's like, where's the security? Well, you tell me who wants to get involved in that. Let's say you have like 20 people doing beatdowns. Let's say, let's say legitimately they don't have any weapon, which you never know. They could have a blunt force instrument. They could have a knife. You never know. I mean, I guess at the airport they're not. At the, at the, at the, at the gate. But... Let's say they don't, even that, I mean, you have a number of people doing that. I mean, it's very hard to get involved with that without drawing your gun, at least, as a deterrent, and then you get in trouble. You could kill every white person and every police officer around, which maybe is perhaps seemingly a goal of some of these demonic globalist elites. I don't get what they're, why they hate whites so much. I don't understand it. I don't get where this Nazism comes from, but whatever, it is what it is. But let's say you do that. Do you think for a minute there will be 0.001% less violence among blacks? It's a problem within. it's It's not even, like I said on Monday, it's not socioeconomic. There's poor immigrant groups that don't do this. There's poor whites in Appalachia that, you know, they have socioeconomic problems. They have problems. They have drug problems. But they don't have this culture of ubiquitous, extreme, beatdown violence that begins at an increasingly younger age and increasingly ropes in the females as well as the males. That is the problem that nobody wants to talk about. It is so dangerous to everyone. And as always, it's most often going to rope in your own people, but it's certainly going to spill over to whites as well and other people. That is the cowardice on the right and the maliciousness on the left that seeks to block the truth on this issue. You are harming everyone by ignoring that. There's nothing to do with cops. Look at all these cultural flashpoints. With the beatdowns. Endless beatdowns. But there's more. There's more to go over. NYPD sees increase of 75% of officers retiring or quitting. That was 5,300 uniformed cops just in New York City alone. Okay? That accounts for 15% of the total force. Do you understand what that means? Do you under- This is no longer we're going back to the early 90s, the 80s of crime. This is a level we have never seen before because now there is a free-for-all that says that 
the population of the subset of a population of the country that is getting more violent than ever, they're untouchable in terms of law enforcement. And law enforcement will get punished. So now they quit. So now you have fewer of them to respond. More civilians get hurt or killed. More, um, and then and then if they do respond again, this is a perfect example of you have one instead of two, and backup doesn't come quickly enough. They'll get killed. Why in the world would anyone become a cop today? And particularly in the areas that have the most crime. Okay? Maybe you might be some rural sheriff, sheriff's deputy, but you're not going to be an urban police department. That's why the Baltimore police is, is extremely understaffed. So that's what we have there. Where was Tim Scott's speech on this? Do you remember it? No, I don't either. He bought into, he buys into this nonsense. It's utterly insane. West Coast, Los Angeles Police Department. They released their first quarter data. Shootings in the city have increased by 73%. Homicides are up over 30%. And by the way, the shooting numbers are very important because just with modern medicine, um, gunshot wounds is really one area where it really seems to have improved a lot. So um, just keep in mind, so many more people survive shootings than ever before. So when you look at homicide numbers, sometimes it's a little bit inaccurate. If you compare, <clears throat> you know, let's say you say, all right, well, you know, there were you know 20,000 homicides uh, this year, but well, if you go to 1978, there were you know 24,000 or whatever, just keep in mind, you have to look at the shooting numbers too, because back then, many, many more people died from, you know, a chest shot, even a head shot. Um, and that, and you know, more and more they're surviving. More than half the shootings in LA were gang related. Vehicle thefts were up 20%. This is where we are. Folks, even T Ted Wheeler, the, um, what's his name? The, the Portland mayor, the Portland mayor. He said, where's the quote from him? He called them self-described anarchists who engaged in regular criminal destruction, burn, bash, intimidate. He called for higher bail and tougher pretrial restrictions on rioters. <laughs> so, I mean, he's talking tougher than Tim Scott, Portland mayor. I mean, he's mugged by reality because they're coming after his home. And perhaps that's what, it, what it's going to take. Perhaps that's what it's going to take. And I hate to say it. But it's going to take at more of these college towns where um, more like what happened to that Barnard girl in Manhattan a couple years ago was stabbed to death by a bunch of 13-year-olds or something. Sadly, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have to have more of these hoity-toity limousine liberals that their 18, 19-year-old daughter gets raped and brutal, brutally murdered by young black assailants that were let out of jail, never put into jail for doing violent crimes, dangerous crimes. Perhaps that's what it's going to take. I think the, the mayor of Portland, I think that, that's what it shows. We are cowards on this issue. It's disgusting. And because we were so cowardly and went along with the racial supremacism for so long and went so weak on them under the guise of somehow the system being too tough when it was never true, now you're going to have an even bigger problem on your hands. And again, never forget, almost always, these 911 calls come from black victims of crime. Never forget that. It's not like there's some sort of police agenda like, hey, what are you doing? Walking, they, what's their line? Walking while black, driving while black. 
And yet Tim Scott and Mitch McConnell and all these Republicans, they buy into it hook, line, and sinker. Pathetic, pathetic Republicans. Keith Heacock. Will we say his name? Which Republicans put out a press release? Did Tim Scott put out a press release? Then you have this story um, everyone's talking about with this man who infiltrated an Antifa group in Sonoma County, California. He released recordings and evidence of them saying, let's kill people, let's kill some cops. This is from ABC7 News in California, KGO. Group leader, where is this? Um, it's May Day. Baby, like, come out and take take something over with us. I don't, I don't keep bleeping, you know. Let's kill people. Let's kill some cops. And they basically created like a hit list. But don't ever expect DHS to put out any threat assessment on them. Like any good blood libel, they project upon our people the most peaceful people around violence. Our speech is violence, and their violence is speech. And by the way, more and more, we had another motorist lynching in Portland. They're doing this all the time. Which, again, I stand by what I said before. I actually believe, and I want, I want to abolish the police. Because, like I said, they already are abolished. We've already incurred the liability. We may as well get the benefit. I don't want to slow bleed. We need people to wake up and demand these bastards get locked away forever. Now. We have an under-incarceration problem. They need to be dropped. They, they, they need to be locked up today. But you know what? If we're not going to do that, then just abolish the cops and let us defend ourselves. Remember the unarmed shooting in Elizabeth City, North Carolina? There's another one, right? It's now everything. Yeah. Well, it turns out the DA's office just said it was patently false. And Andrew Brown, who was the criminal, they came to his house to execute a search warrant. Brown jumped into his vehicle to flee. And um, he basically tried to run people over. So that's the story with that. But it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. See, this is the big lie with the unarmed business. I mean, we see even when they're armed, you know, the, the girl with the knife, that doesn't matter either. Even if they had a gun, it doesn't matter. But, but what I'm saying is even the cases where they didn't, what you're seeing often is the fact that they could beat someone to death or the vehicular attacks. The bottom line is there is a culture of violence that is utterly insane. A good number of these youths, if you would look, I'm telling you, you would look at their phones. It is so ubiquitous that if you literally just catch them on the street, on a subway, any moment, you could see them viewing just fighting beatdowns, blood, I don't I don't get it. I, I, I just I just don't get it. So this is where we are now. This is where we are as a people. A civilization destroyed. A civilization destroyed. So you know what? I think the cops should just if I were the cops, I would just stand back. I would refuse to do anything. Let the chips fall where they are. You're right. We are the problem. We're killing too many blacks. So therefore, we're not going to do anything anymore. 
Let the chips fall where they are. The reason we have law enforcement at its core is to protect liberty so we don't have Darwinism. So a woman can walk down the streets and not worry about being attacked by even belligerent 12, 13, 14-year-olds that could beat her up. She has that right. I love with this juvenile thing, like, they're just kids. They might be just kids, but, you know, if they're hardened and toughened or, you know, you you have them go and try to attack a woman or something or an elderly person or you have multiple ones, which often they do come in packs, that's no solace to the victim, okay? That doesn't matter. What, everyone has to be like Chuck Norris? And you know what? If you do, you get in trouble too. I told you, we had that case with this patrolman outside of Baltimore. He was on patrol, citizen's patrol, and he was attacked by this black youth, attacked him with a two-by-four. So he was armed. That is a potentially deadly weapon. And the patrolman was unarmed. He didn't have a gun and didn't have a knife. He was good at martial arts, and he won the fight. And they almost rioted over that. So, it's not about a gun. It's not about a cop. It's not about a specific situation. It's about systemic racism. They are, BLM is right. There is systemic racism in our system. They are the racism. They are the racists. And they're harming everyone for it. So, folks, that is what we have um, on, on, uh, on crime. Again, I always have tons of COVID stuff. I don't know if we'll have time, but I do want to get to something on the border. Joe Biden is talking about the border being under control now. And the border is under control because... The media says it's under control or the media doesn't say anything because just like with Keith Heacock, something only exists but in the minds of stupid people that can't think for themselves unless their iPhone tells them about it. So George Floyd is everything. Nothing else exists. So the border is only a problem if the media talks about it. But the reality is I have for you. Now, I'm not Rush Limbaugh, so I can't say nicotine stained hands. Because I don't smoke. But let me just get this off here. I have the latest border numbers ending April 28th. Okay? So just from this past week. Let's check it out here. Total apprehensions are at 44,000. Okay? 44,000. Just to to give you guys some sort of concept of what that means, that is not a monthly number. That is a weekly number. So if you extrapolate that flow annually, that's about 2.3 million a year. So it's basically at its it's it's at, at the highest level it's been. I mean, it, it has not gone down. Every sector it went up except for the Rio Grande Valley. It actually went up from the previous week. Except, here's the big kicker. Those are the known apprehensions. The gotaways have gone up everywhere. My agent friend sent this to me. Tucson Sector has almost as many gotaways, recorded gotaways, as apprehensions. Typically, it's like a 4 to 1 ratio, maybe 3 to 1. It's almost at parity, and we know they don't count all the gotaways. Do you know who those people are? So basically, we have the beat-down, violent culture in America due to undeterred crime and the cultural collapse and the glorification of violence, and now we are importing the world's toughest criminals from every other country, often who have been removed, and now they're coming back. Unbelievable. The gotaways in San Diego doubled from last week. 
you could not possibly destroy a country more directly and more profoundly. Like if you if you sat from scratch, you sat down, thought from scratch, how am I going to rip apart a civilization? I don't know how you could have done a better job. It's brilliant. Totally brilliant. But this is where we are. Because we don't have a voice. Tell me who speaks about what I talk about on the show. I'd like to find who that influential person is because I can't find it. Now, there's a lot of other news today. I have an article out today courtesy of a, of a great catch by Alex Berenson. CDC is issuing guidance to examine post-vaccinated COVID tests with a, high, with a, lo, uh, uh, a lower CT threshold. So remember... Remember that New York Times already last August reported that most of the positives in this country, if someone doesn't have symptoms, most of the times it's false. It, it could be they had it at some point, but it's dead RNA. They're no longer contagious. Yet we lock them down. We take kids out of school and other people exposed to that person without any due process based on these PCR testing that they have cycle thresholds. That's like the number of amplifications needed until you actually are able to detect a culture of the of the virus. So basically what has been noted is that anything above 25 to 30 is really nothing. And we have as much as 40, 45 cycle thresholds to determine it. And to this day, they won't change it. But suddenly when they're studying the efficacy of the vaccine and they want to see how many re how many infections there are post, um, post vaccine you know someone being vaccinated they announced that they're only counting as what they call a breakthrough infection meaning the infection broke through the vaccine something done with a ct level of 28 or lower do you understand that would preclude 90% of cases now i agree with them they're right to do that but the bigger problem is they only discover the science when it comes to shielding and protecting the reputation of their cronies. When it comes to the vaccine, they'll do everything they can to get efficacy. When it comes to natural infection, it's nothing. Conveys no immunity. Just so you guys have some sort of an idea here of what I mean. <clears throat> Um, in Portugal, a judge recently ruled that any positive test that's used more than 25 CTs is not reliable and cannot be used to force quarantine. So basically, each cycle threshold doubles the level of amplification of the previous CT. So if you do the equation, that means a CT of 40 like when they're running 40 cycle thresholds, that's 1,024 times the amplification level of a CT of 30, right? It sounds like, oh, 30 to 40, right? Because it's two to the 10th power, which equals 1024. A CT level of 40 is 32,768 times that of a CT of 25, which is really the, the benchmark there. So this is particularly of concern when you have, like we are now, you know, everyone agrees in the winter it was really spreading, but now it's very low prevalence. So the lower prevalence you have, the higher the percentage of the, of the results that are going to be false positives, and particularly among children that get it less often and, you know, we're just testing people without symptoms. This is what we're doing. No Republican is speaking out against it. And in all of their bills, including Tim Scott's championing in his stupid bills, they funded this testing regime, taking away people's lives without due process. In England, according to public data there, as many as 62% of the positives in schools were false. You know, because in England, the virus is almost extinct. Oh, whatever happened to the Kent variant, the B117? Yeah, very contagious, right? 
break, breaks through immunity, right? Then why the hell is England not having a problem? Oh, whoops, because they're already immune. They got herd immunity. So it does work against the variants. And it's not more deadly than the other variant. Israel. I want to just point this out again. How, so they want to downplay any breakthrough of the vaccine, breakthrough infection, but then they they completely deny immunity of natural infection. Researchers at Tel Aviv and Hebrew University, they studied 6.3 million Israelis, almost the whole population. They wanted to they studied for breakthrough infections. Now they claim the vaccine's very effective. Let's just take them on their word for now. But even they say that the vaccine gave a level of protection against reinfection of 92.8%. For natural infection, it was 94.8%, so 2% higher. For protection against severe illness, it was 94.4 for the vaccine, 96.4 for those naturally infected. They conclude their study by saying, our research puts into question the need to vaccinate previously infected individuals. Mind you, this is Israel, which is the most obsessed with the vaccine. They're the most hawkish about that. But at least they're willing to publish the real science that, look, if you're if you got the virus, you have at least as good immunity. And yet in America, even the little things they're saying, if you're vaccinated, oh, you don't have to wear a mask outdoors in small crowds. Mentally ill. But, but if you're naturally infected, it's as if you had nothing. Nothing. Sick, demented liars. But isn't it cute how they discover the science of CT amplification when it comes to protecting the reputation of their sacred cronies. These subhuman maggots from the pits of hell think of everything. They are demonic, they're evil, they're worse than Al-Qaeda and ISIS. They're engaging in genocide, both through crime and through what they're doing with COVID, blocking information on early preemptive treatments to boost your health, it's disgusting. One day, the ultimate judicial supremacism, the heavenly court, will strike down their mandates, will engage in the ultimate judicial review. There is someone recording their every action, and in that we take solace. And with that, folks, we're going to close out the week. Thanks for bearing with me with a little bit of a shorter week because I was out there at front site. But those of you who want to join me on the May 30th trip, again, constitutioncoach.com. Sign up for our Liberty Strike Force teams. We are going to try to get the faculty training, the grassroots training, so you could start to learn how to be a right-wing Alinskyite to fight back with as much force and commitment as they destroy our country. We're going to fight to protect ourselves in the areas we can. Conaction.network. Until next week, we'll be back same time, same place. God bless you all. Have a terrific weekend and stay safe.